This is the story of my descent into Northern California's dark underbelly and how a little boy grew to maneuver, manipulate, and eventually escape from far beyond those borders. My name is Jason Farias, and this is my Madness Method. Hello, everybody. This is Jason Farias. Welcome back to my Madness Method. So the closing of five, or as I was getting through five last episode, it was the first time that I began to see these people that I've been talking about in this story as actual people again. As it turns out, I am realizing I, I started seeing the people around me as NPCs, you know, non-player characters. And uh, it's very eye-opening to realize the damage that I caused. My focus was just on what people had done to me. Drugs will play with your mind that way. You know, your brain can only handle so much. And and if you started off already with some type of issue, some anxiety, some uh, self-realization problems, the drugs aren't going to do you any favors. So I, I started, you know, taking inventory of who I was and the things that I did because for years, for decades, it was just what was done to me, what was done to me. But the reality is, and as, as I had said before, you know, I started tearing apart this group because of what I perceived as what was being done to me. For examples, Bobby and I spent a lot of time together. He and I kind of being the ringleaders of this insanity at one point. We got to know each other, and ultimately what we knew how to do was tear each other apart. When the beef between he and I was at its peak, the entire town knew that it was going to jump off. And I think my approach just ultimately took hold faster than his. But interestingly, I mean, he took the first shot, right? He hooked up with my girlfriend. But again, yeah, I wasn't living in reality, so I didn't see it that way. It was like separate from that which was going on around us. And maybe I got to know this guy well enough that let's say I understood his type of girl he was into. Let's say that maybe I, I had plotted and I sought out... Girls that were in the dope game that maybe I sold to or were aware of or whatever the case may be, but maybe I sought out girls that shot up the dope. Look, doing drugs is doing drugs, and I mean, any at all is bad, you know, but for whatever reason, the the vision was if you're shooting dope, that's like the end of the road and you're gone. And maybe when I found this girl, I agreed to... Supply her all the free dope she could handle, but her job was to uh, introduce and make sure that that he did it too. Maybe it was her job to ensure he went down that road. You you hear of intravenous drug users, and it's just the, the downward spiral. Let's say that was her assignment. That's easy to control, right? It's easy to control an addict. It's easy to hold something over an addict's head, especially when my dope was as good as it was and 
all these shooters that, you know, love it. And she's going to get all she can handle for free. You know, I don't care if she sold it. I, I really don't give a fuck what she wound up doing with it, but she had a job and maybe she did it right. You know, I, I, I guess I don't know. I, I, I wasn't there, but maybe that was the approach that was taken. And, you know, it seemed fair to me. You took a shot at me. You you destroyed me. You knew the kind of things that would tear me apart. And you chose to take that path. Equally, I didn't force anybody to do anything. I supplied a product and asked for a favor. And, and then people made their own decisions. So that's not up to me. I conveniently removed myself from guilt at that time. And then there was other members of the group. There was Steve and there's Chris and, and why didn't they do anything on my behalf? How are you going to let this person do that to me? You're supposed to be my friend. Steve on a founding himself a new roommate with somebody. Uh, I didn't really know the cat, but we, we got to know each other. We'd go over and visit Steve and we'd hang out and I got to know his new roommate and his new roommate partied a little bit, but you know, I started talking to Steve like, yo, his girlfriend's pretty cool, bro. And and I knew his girlfriend. I, I knew the roommate's girlfriend from high school. I knew she was kind of a, an easy bag. So ultimately, Steve wound up hooking up with this dude's girl and the dude found out. So that fell apart pretty quick. Nothing like fucking banging your, your roommate's girl, especially when you needed somewhere to live. But uh, that's also against the rules. I had no part of that. I just want to be real clear. That was a, a Steve decision. But, you know, maybe I started feeding his roommate, the the now broken-hearted roommate. Maybe I started hooking him up with some dope. And, and, you know, the only thing I know that Steve had left in his life at that moment, because, you know, ultimately the team is torn apart at this point. All he had left was his mode of transportation. So, interestingly, the roommate winds up stealing his car, <laughs> destroys it. I don't know, blew it up. I, I really don't know what wound up happening with it. But uh, I may have planted that seed in his head. Like, look, dude, he took from you. You should take from him. You know, fair's fair, dude. Steve wound up finding out who took it. And I was like, yeah, bro, fuck that guy. You know what I mean? You should do something to him. You can't leave it like this because at the core of this, all I wanted to do was shake up his foundation. All I wanted was for him to feel like he couldn't trust, just like I felt. I needed him to feel uneasy and like, how could this happen to me? And, and, and ultimately that's what wound up happening. He did fuck up pretty bad though. We were out one day and, and he saw the guy and I knew where they were headed. The guy was headed with his buddies over to his parents' house. Steve was like, fuck that. We're going to get him. Let's go. And uh, this is a bad idea, dude. Like, I'm not fighting in front of somebody's parents' house because I knew that the dude's older brother and his friends were always there. And I told this guy, I said, bro, keep driving. You don't want to do this. And and nope. He follows him all the way to his parents' house, jumps out the car and goes to start fighting him. And the garage just pours out with his older brother and his friends. And I'm like, you dumb motherfucker. Chris gets out of the car. He's going to go fight. And let me sidestep this for a second, you guys. So somehow, me and my group of friends got it in our heads that if you say, I don't think you're down. Like, that was like the triple dog dare, right? You have to do it. And what a dumb fucking thing to abide by. I don't think you're down. I'm going to go do this dumbass shit now so people think I'm down. Chris gets punched in the mouth. Steve gets punched in the mouth. 
I'm just standing there with one of his brother's friends and I'm like, bro, don't trip. They're going to get this out of their system. Don't even worry about it. All is said and done. The parents come out, break the whole thing up. We get back in the car and leave. I said, I told you motherfuckers don't fucking do this in front of somebody else's house. Like how disrespectful is that? Like, and here fucking I'm, I, it's ultimately something I encouraged that led to this. Right. So I'm just eating this shit up. Like you stupid sons of bitches all got popped in the mouth. It, it, not only did I p perhaps play a role in even leading to that, but I told you guys, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. You still did it. And now y'all got a broken nose or a busted tooth or whatever it is you got. I fucking told you so. Don't you think we got enough to lose right now? We're drug dealers in this town. Okay. We're on drugs at the moment. And you're going to go doing this shit in front of innocent people's homes. Like, yo, you guys are out of your minds. Ultimately, I, I got that satisfaction. I, I shook up his foundation. You know, when it came to Chris, Chris and I went the furthest back. You know, we were good friends well before all of this. And, and unfortunately, we both had our demons. I came at him a little differently because he and I were very similar. I knew him on a personal level, and he and I were very much the same as far as emotion-wise. I was extra charming to his girlfriend. She was a really nice girl. Probably too good for him, at least at that time. Really good girl. But I was extra charming with her. You know, she was, oh, oh, you know what Jay said? And, and get that to come up enough that it would get annoying. And then I, I took it one step further and, and thought, you know what? I'm going to hook up with her then younger sister. So I guess at that point she was probably 19 or 20. But they looked almost identical. And I only wanted to plant the seed that, hey, bro, your, your girl is constantly talking about me. And I'm hooking up with essentially what appears to be her twin. And, and, and I want to shake you up at your foundation. Not one that you'll admit. Not one that you'll even really recognize. But one that's going to weigh on you, bro. One that's going to have you questioning everything. And, and I'll be honest, I, I don't know. I don't know if it worked. But I know that was the objective there. I guess in order for that to have even worked, I, I need to be clear that by this point, the emotions were shut off and I was very self-aware of who I was and what I was able to execute, you know, still to this day. And then is still, I can never recognize if a girl's flirting with me or likes me or wants to hook up or whatever. Like if she's not taking her clothes off in front of me, I am a hundred percent oblivious to it i always have been i just you know like i've been oh she's flirting with you i'm like nah she's just being nice bro don't even trip like let's keep it moving and and but when it came to getting what i needed uh whether it be i, I need to hook up with my buddy's sister right for some reason whether it be i need my bills paid you know whatever i knew that i could recognize the lambs in the room you know, what, what nobody did see, and like what I would famously do, I would go out to the Mossdale Bridge in Lathrop, California. I'd walk across the train bridge, get get to the bell towers, and I'd, I'd climb all the way to the top. 
and I'd go with like a beer in my pocket and a bunch of dope to smoke and, and a joint maybe. And, and, you know, the top of the bell towers, maybe a hundred feet above the water. And I'd get up there and I'd contemplate when I'd contemplate, am I going to jump? Like, do I want to just wrap this up? Cause I'm, I'm, I recognized that I was a pile of shit. But then my arrogance would take over and, and I would sit there and scheme on, on you know, I, I, would, I would drill in on something that somebody's done to me and hatch a plan of how I'm going to fuck them over. But I think it's important to understand how twisted I was because the whole time I was doing all this stuff to people and they aren't the only examples. But the whole time I would do it with a smile on my face, the whole time I would do it while we're partying, we're having a good time. Like I would sit up there, I'd, I'd hatch these plans, but, but interestingly, I always left it up to their own choice there. They can make decisions on their own, but I definitely controlled scenarios that led them to make poor decisions. But ultimately what I knew was what I was able to get done. And, and Jordan Peterson kind of said it right. And I'm paraphrasing here, but he says, uh, young women are more likely to be seduced by psychopaths and narcissists because they mimic competence and confidence. And when women read confidence as a marker of competence, that then opens up a space for exploitation because if you can mimic confidence false confidence, narcissistic confidence, you then appear competent, right? So if you put off that confidence, if you put off that you got it all under control, the people, women, girls of that certain age that we were all exposed to at the time, were drawn to it. If I've learned anything, Women are more in competition with each other than anything I've, I've ever seen. But that's, that was what I recognized out of, out of them is, is, is amongst themselves, there's competition. What I knew is you only needed one girl. If you have one girl saying, oh man, he's really great in bed. Well, the next girl wants to know about it. You've heard girls say a guy's not good in bed, but yet just keeps on hooking up because they're like, oh, I can, it's you. It's not him. I can show you. And, and I don't know what it is and why women are wired that way, but it's, it's like this competition. And I think it's more of the way they view each other. Like, oh, she's a pretty girl. She hooked up with him, you know, so, and then insert whatever it is they need to tell themselves about why they're going to do it. But I, I could control a room understanding that. I, I knew that the confidence that I exuded, even though it was so false because I was the least confident person in the room, but I played the role. And if one girl says, I, I hooked up with them. It was good. You don't ever, you don't have to bang all of these chicks. You don't have, you just string them along. And, and I'm going to tell you, if I really hooked up with as many girls as I supposedly had, I mean, I don't know. I'd have more kids or STDs or God knows what, but the rumor mill gets around and boy, I was a busy, busy, busy boy. But this was how I learned to control scenarios. Those approaches don't just work with females. Like men are drawn to other confident men. Like, oh, you know, he seems to have his shit together. I'm going to pick his brain. 
when a guy that doesn't get laid a lot sees a guy that all the girls are paying attention to, they are inherently drawn to that person. And I knew how to control that as well. But what made it doubly so is because I also had the dope and I had the money. I had all these people under my control, or at least what I perceived as, you know, and, and I just went around waiting for somebody to do something stupid so I could unleash some, some stupid get back. And, and, and it was just a control thing for me at that point. The drugs were so secondary. Like I started getting high off of walking into a party where I knew nobody and gaining all the attention getting, Oh, here, call me, you know, this bullshit, because here's the thing is the guys that will ultimately be buying the dope most off of me are watching me get to talk to all of these girls. So their dumbasses are equating my confidence and my drugs as what these girls want. So they're going to buy more drugs to try to emulate or, or repeat what it is they just saw. Half of these fools would watch me and, oh man, it must be nice to get to hook up with all these girls. <laughs> if you knew how few I actually even paid attention to, it's, I don't, I don't know. Perception is everything, right? Perception is reality. So when I would pull up in whatever car and wearing all white outfits, shiny jewelry, and being very personable, very exciting, very look at me and then pull out, you know, endless amounts of drugs. And, and that became who I was. Everybody knew what to expect when Jay showed up. There'd be chicks everywhere. There'd be drugs everywhere. So then the parties would just grow. More people would show up, more girls would show up and rinse and repeat, right? Oh, a whole new set of girls to influence because then I gain the influence over these guys that want to talk to these girls. And it was very interesting. You know, I, I can visualize some of the parties and, and I thrived on the attention, the ability to, to run a room. And, and knowing when I left, the party was leaving with me. Wherever I went, they were going. It was the control. It was the control and it was the, the excitement of judging somebody and then being the executioner of whatever it is that's going to happen to them because of it. As nice as that is, all the girls, all the drugs, you know, all of the very false respect coming from whatever guys are chasing these chicks or chasing the drugs. The reality is, is looking back, maybe it wasn't a level playing field. But again, there there's rules to this shit. You break the rules, you get hurt. And I played my role correctly. And I, it's just unfortunate that other people didn't realize the role I was playing. I was a bad person. I was I was a bad person. Beyond the drugs and beyond everything. Like I used everybody around me. Ah, how in the world was I having girls pay my bills when they're watching me with all these drugs and all this money? I, I don't know. I I took advantage. And some people got smart and were like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not messing with this guy. There's something ain't right here. And, and they'd figure it out and they'd, they'd ultimately take off. But God help the person that I felt slighted me because I was going to do something to you. 
maybe I'd do something to somebody you love just so you hurt because of it. Maybe I wasn't as nonviolent as I thought, but, you know, things started to unravel pretty quick. You know, the one thing that I knew I was always good at was was business. Even today, like, this is what I do. I, I'm in, in the business world. I'm in the corporate world. I saw the writing on the wall. Me getting cut off from my connect may or may not have been coming. I, I knew that I was going back to re-up way faster than they anticipated or liked. And I was needing more dope than they were comfortable handing over. I mean, like every time I went there, it was like, double it, double it, double it. But slowly I had talked about Lorenzo and, you know, built this guy up because I, I saw an opportunity and I knew that the ice was thin. I was only up able to keep up the charade for so long and I was, I was getting tired. There was a, this girl I was dating and like, I really wanted to be all in with her. But that wasn't going to be able to happen while I'm talking to all these other chicks. And, and regardless whether I was sleeping with them or not, that's, that's not what's relevant here. The problem is, is that that's disrespectful to her. I was really trying here. Like there was at this time, there was something gnawing at me to, to just back away. Dude, this isn't who you are. This is getting out of control. And before I would do that, I had to get all my ducks in a row, right? Because I, I was addicted to money. And I was addicted to control and I needed to control the outcome of every situation. And so it took me some time, but I, I built up Lorenzo's name, the contact from the Bay area. He actually came out to the Valley like, Oh, we just happened to run into each other just so they could vibe him out. And it took a little time, a couple months. Um, you know, you, you would figure something like this would take much longer than it, it took a couple months, but ultimately they agreed to do some business with him. And I saw this as my my way out. Like, hey, wait a minute, hold on. So I'm gonna introduce you to my contact, which is fine. This is this is within the rules, okay? Because I'm introducing you. You're gonna get my pricing now, which means you're gonna make more money. So here's what we're gonna do, bro. You're gonna go straight to them. You're going to start dealing to the people that we've already been doing business with. Okay. And I just want enough to party with. And, and I want a certain percentage of what you're making. And it, it, that took some convincing too, because I mean, dude realized like, I'm gonna do all the work and you just get to, I said, yeah, bro. Like, come on, man. You, you know what I mean? Like you want the contact? Cause I can shut that shit down in a fucking heartbeat, bro. You want the contact or not? And of course he wanted the contact. And so when the day came and, you know, Hey man, you're, you're doing too much. Like we're not able to keep up. I, I knew that, okay, well, Lorenzo's already got the in with them. I'm good. I understand. It's cool. It, you know, like I said, I was really surprised that I just got asked to like, Hey, we're done with you. Here's a bunch of fucking dope. I'll see you. <laughs> this is, this is fantastic. It's going to work out better. And so now I get to step back and I don't got to deal any dope anymore. I have enough money to pay my bills. 
I can take a step away from this, you know, and how ridiculous. I mean, think about what, what I'm saying here, right? Like, oh, I'm out of the dope game. I'm going to go try to build this relationship with this chick and go live a normal life. But I have full access to free dope and I get paid with some frequency of dope money. So this girl and I, we wind up moving in together. Got a got an apartment up off uh, Hammer Lane in Stockton, California. And you know what's interesting is is I just kind of slipped away and I stopped like all these these crazy these huge parties we were having at Putz's house at the Dove Shack. All of these people, like Putz was in fucking hog heaven. I mean, this nerdy kid went from couldn't make a friend to now his spot is the hot spot. There was always chicks there, always drugs, always a party. You know, I just sort of slipped away. And I was real quiet about it. And nobody appeared to have noticed, which was interesting to me. So... She and I move up to Stockton. I get myself a normal job. I'm working at the at the truck stop there on French Camp Road and I-5. You know, I've got a graveyard job. She's a gymnastics coach. Yay me. And, and we have the, our little apartment, you know, little one-bedroom apartment. No big deal. You know, there's space between me and the rest of the crew. And we we touch base every now and then. But I was giving this a real go. It didn't take very long before even Lorenzo and I just kind of called it quits. Like I really was like, hey, I, I stopped doing drugs. The dope I was able to, to pretty easily walk away from, surprisingly. So I did. I walked away from the dope. I just cut loose Lorenzo. I thought, okay, you got you to gotta break free here, dude. Like you just got to step. And so I told him, I said, hey, bro, I, I'm, I'm out. Like you don't have to fuck with me anymore. You know, things went well for a while. I'd go to work. She'd go to work. We kind of lived that little life. I worked hard. I did I did well. I put in the hours. But as luck would have it, you know, I, I, I started partying a little bit every now and then. And there was this guy that came in, this Filipino dude. He had a sick-ass Honda Accord. Always came in bumping. It was always hella late when he'd ride through. And I mean, he'd ride through wide awake, you know, two, three in the morning, come blasting through, grabbing some smokes, taking back off. And I started reading the guy and we'd chat a little bit and he'd bounce. I knew what the fuck was going on. He always had his cute little Filipino girlfriend with him. His name was Fred, or supposedly his name was Fred. It's all I ever knew him by. But one day Fred and I got to talking and uh Fred goes in there's nobody in the in the station Fred goes into the restroom comes back out he's like hey bro I left you something in there I'm like what and I go in there and now there's just these clear rock shardy things okay now mind you by this point all I all I really did was 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 crank and and this is at this point where I got introduced to ice. You know, for those of you, and, and here's a terrible lesson for everybody, but, you know, there's a difference in drugs that are made with pseudofedrin as opposed to sphedrin, okay? Pseudofedrin 
is what's in Sudafed, right? It's in the name. But as you try to gas off all of the cut, you know, there's there's many layers of different medicines and different buffers that are over the federin molecule, okay? So if you go in with any chemicals and try to gas off all of the buffers, by the time you get down to the federin molecule, you'll burn it away, okay? So this is what Crank was. Crank was ultimately like, okay, we're not going to get it all off, so let's just get it to the form we need it to be at. You know, Crank inherently had cut on it because all of those buffers are ultimately cut, right? It came with a built-in cut to it. Some cranks were better than other cranks. Some people cleaned better than others. We were smoking it at this time. When you'd smoke crank, you'd, you know, get it hot and you'd blow it out the bubble and you could hold your finger over the, over the top of it. And anytime white shit formed on your finger, you were still blowing off the buffers. And then once you could bring your finger back and there was no white shit on it, you were down to the clean shit and that's what you would smoke. Well, Fred brings me this shit and I put it in the bubble and I melted down and it just cracks back or, or it solidifies. It solidified and I believe it was either a purplish or a pink color. And I was, what the fuck is this? And I tell you, I mean, it was just a little tiny, it was a little piece. And I mean, a little piece like that, a crank might've been two, three hits. Dude, this thing that Fred left me was 20 hits. And I was zooted, fucked up, zipped up, gone. Okay. Now here I am trying to not be this conniving piece of shit that's just plotting on everybody around me, right? I'm trying to build this life with this girl that I'm obsessed with. Loved her, right? Trying to be the right, the, the good guy, do the right thing. And, and here's this new eye-opening thing. Because you know what I, what I learned, what I saw was fucking dollar signs. Oh my God, cha-ching! I didn't get overly excited. Fred didn't come through all the time. But uh, when he did, I'd talk some more. He'd leave me a little more. He'd talk some more. He'd leave me a little more. And then I started, let me let me buy a little from you. And I took a day and I bought a bunch of it. And by a bunch, uh, you guys, I'm talking maybe a gram. What ice was for a gram, I could get a whole eight ball of crank. Okay, so I take this gram and I, I go to Putz's house and everybody's there, Chris and Steve and Putz, everybody's there. And I show them, I'm like, hey, check this out. And what the fuck? Again, they'd never seen it either. They were still, they had found other means to, to get their dope. But I showed them what I had and we all smoked it. And of course they loved it. But when I told them how much it cost, they were like, what the fuck? Why the fuck would I do that when I can get this bunch amount? But this was the mentality of the people I was dealing with. Now, I'll tell you what, you know, Dan Pena coined it perfectly. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Because I'll tell you what, like, I, I, it was at this time that I realized I didn't surround myself with the smartest people. That's shitty to think of them that way. And it's shitty to think that I, I thought I was controlling fucking, I, I wasn't controlling anybody important. Let's be honest. You know, these are also the same guys that instead of buying an eighth of bomb weed for 60, they'd rather buy an ounce of shit dirt weed for 60 because there's more to smoke. Like, I went on my way that day. 
you know, I smoked that whole thing with them. We we got all fucked up, dude, off that gram. Like they they all recognized that oh shit, this stuff burns forever. But uh, they couldn't in their head justify getting that small bag for the same price. Where I knew I was on to something. So fuck it. You know what I mean? It just stayed my little thing for a while. And I'd party with some at night and, you know, go home and, and call it good and keep the girlfriend happy. Keep it quiet. Fred and I started getting close. He and I started hanging out a little bit. This is where I met Raul. And this is, um, you know, Raul and I kicked a, a while. Raul's little brother, Chewy. Fucking great, dude. Uh, We'd all hang out. You know, we'd we'd drink a little bit, smoke a little bit. There, there was cool ass cats, man. Kind of miss those guys. We would all hang out, and I, I, the first time Fred came over my house to hang out and playing video games and just chilling, and and he was bringing me some shit, you know, because at this point I was kind of getting a little a little hungry outside of work for it. So Fred comes over to my my apartment, and. My girlfriend's in the back room. She with the back room. It was a one-bedroom place. She was right over there. But uh, I was going to walk Fred back to his car. And, you know, goodbye. And we'd hung out for a couple hours, had a few beers. He was leaving. I was walking him out. I come back in the apartment. And I had dropped the bag of dope. And she found it. And I was oh, oh, that's that's fucking fucking Fred, man. You fucking Fred. I holy shit, you know, and I don't know if she bought it. Like I really don't. I still to this day, I I don't know if she bought it. But uh it it caused at least that situation and that scenario to to go away, at least that day. You know, some some opportunities presented themselves about six months in to living with this girl. She had a bunch of family in Arizona. I recognized that things were getting a little deep here. Now, mind you, I had by this time introduced Fred to Putz and to Chris. And actually I, I had Fred come over to Putz's house a couple times because I really wanted, this is going to sound ridiculous, but I learned enough about the difference between crank and ice that I recognized ice as being the superior product and less. Anyway, I wanted everybody to switch over to the, to the new drug and leave the old one. So I introduced Fred. Yeah. By all means, you guys get a hold of each other, do what you got to do. Because here's the thing. If Fred is serving these guys, my dope is either free or cheap. And that's, the way my brain worked, you know, keeping with the rules. I introduced them. I let them do their thing. And, and girlfriend and I, uh, up and move, you know, with some help, we up and move to Phoenix, Arizona. That, that went well for a little bit. It didn't take long for me to somehow gravitate to the dope game out there either. It didn't take long. Somehow I managed to figure it out. That concludes this chapter of the madness. If you're finding this podcast entertaining and you're listening along with me, please subscribe, rate, and review us. I'm Jason Farias, and this is my madness method.